So we wanted to build a tool that really just solved dev environments in a way that's not uh, that's not within a walled garden. That's not forcing you to make decisions into the into your application. It's just kind of behind the scenes, but you can go under the hood if you need to. But from a click of a button, you can just get something that works. AI, a rapidly evolving field that has the potential to transform every aspect of our lives, from the way we work and communicate to the way we think about and solve problems. Join me as I chat with the movers and shakers in the industry about the latest advancements in AI and how they're changing the way we live, work, and interact with technology. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Welcome to Zero Shot. My guest today is Nader Khalil, CEO and co-founder of Brev.dev, a company that offers a simple and cost-effective online workspace with powerful GPUs that help speed up AI development. Nader, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. So Google Cloud, IBM Cloud, AWS, these are the big names in the cloud GPU platforms. What, what sets Brev apart? Yeah, so two things. We want to build the cheapest and simplest experience for running compute in the cloud. And um, we can do that in two ways. Uh, to make the simplest experience, we, that means essentially getting a one-click button that guarantees an application will run reliably. To do that, you kind of have to do two things. One is define the environment. So this application requires Python at this version with these packages. It's running this database. Tools like Docker serve this purpose really well. But then you also have to make sure that that application is running on hardware that it's well equipped for. So specifically when it comes to AI workloads, right, we want a specific GPU. Does it have CUDA uh, you know, driver set up? Uh, do we want, if it's a CPU, is it going to be ARM or x86? Um, so defining the hardware that that runs is equally important as the environment itself. And so what Brev does that's unique is um, we're coupling the two. So we're taking your environment configuration and this, the type of machine that you want to run on and then we can truly give you a button that you click and just runs the application. Um, in terms of it being the cheapest, we're focusing on a lot of optimization. So we'll shut the machine down when you're not using it. Or if you're training a job, we'll power it down after that job is finished. So if it ends at 2 a.m., it's not going to stay on until you uh, see that again in the morning, right? Um, okay. Yeah, I saw on your website that you mentioned that you're nine, up to 94% cheaper than AWS. Is, are These are the ways that you get to that? Yeah. So that's one of the ways is uh, we you know, automatically stop the machine when it's not being utilized. That's the really other cool. is a lot of times when you're, when you're building on something, you know, these GPUs can be really expensive, like dollars an hour, $4 an hour, maybe even like 40, if you're doing like a, a much larger cluster um, as $40 an hour. Wow. And so uh, what we'll do is if the GPU is not utilized, like let's say you're writing code, you're massaging data, you're getting ready to train, uh, you know, to fine tune a model, but you're not quite there yet. You're still getting the data in order. The GPU is not being utilized. And so what we've kind of seen users tend to do uh, they'll start on like a cheaper CPU or they'll start locally. And only when they're like 60% there, do they move to the GPU. And that's really annoying because you have to kind of set the whole dev environment up from scratch. And so we let you scale your instance. So you can go into the breath console and just scale down. And what that means is you can go to a cheap CPU that's like five cents an hour while you're writing code, while you're massaging data, and then move that dev environment back to a GPU one. So that flexibility right there optimizes a, a, a ton. And then uh, we'll also back up your hard drive, uh, the volume for the instance um, in a more efficient way. So that's like, there's like a bunch of little like tail end optimizations that all really add up. Wow, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's, it gives you an, a, a leg up on competing with the big boys. I think that's very cool. 
<laughs> well, um, you know, we're, we're running on the big boys, right? So, um, and a lot of times people, people want to use Brev, uh, in, to connect with their like big boy account. And so they, you know, you can connect your AWS account, you can connect your Google Cloud account, maybe you have credits in them. So um, it's not so much as competition as like a lot of a very cooperative effort. Um, you know, they, they would be happy if you reduce your cloud spend because that means you stay around longer. That's a good point. <laughs> so um, yeah, so it's, I think a really, um, it's a fun product to build because everyone wins. You know, you're reducing your cloud spend. Uh, we're making it easier for you to use their instances. Their instances are getting used. So um yeah, it's a big win-win-win. So yeah, that was actually a question I was going to ask. You know, as as AI development increasingly relies on multi-cloud and hybrid cloud strategies, so your approach is just making it as seamless as possible to integrate with with various cloud partners. Yeah, um, just you know, I, I think there's a, a, a our number one company value is delight users, and we use the word delight because that's what uh, it was. A, it was funny. I was uh, doing a slew of user interviews in December and a user said this was the most delightful experience they had uh, deploying cloud infrastructure. And they specifically asked if we could handle production deployments as well. And that's a whole other ballgame with a whole other set of problems. So we're really focused on this space that we're in right now. But um, it was interesting to, to kind of get to hear that. And we were like, you know what? That should be our, our biggest goal is how do we make a really delightful experience? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a lot of issues to just tackle here. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I think, you know, we're used to coding on our computers, especially for a lot of people that are new to AI and ML and haven't had to go and access GPUs in the cloud. And um, I remember my first startup, like back in 2018, we were we had built everything and it's running locally. And then we were like, okay, all we have to do is deploy this and we can go and start talking to users. And it took us some like 15-ish days in, I remember March, 2018, to get this initial just like Django web app deployed. And it was our first time figuring out how to deploy everything. And I remember just that frustration of having to deploy that thing. And we had so much psychological motivation to get it through because we knew this unlocks us talking to users. I can see it working locally. I can, I, I know I just need this like deployed URL for this, right? Um, you're kind of, now you're having to deal with all of that frustration, that difficulty of figuring out how to deploy your instance, but before you even start, because you can't start coding on your computer, you need a deployed instance that has the power that you need for whatever workload you're running. And so, um, yeah, uh, the, you know, the pain points are a lot stronger right now for just even getting started within AI and ML. And, um, that's kind of where we want to come in. Yeah, just because just from a straight gear perspective, right? You just need more powerful stuff because the technology is getting so advanced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, the, the big value, I, or I think what we're really trying to push for is uh, separating what you're building from the machine that's in front of you or from the machine that's there. So Again, from the scale idea, right? You can take your dev environment and move it to a CPU or a GPU. You can increase the volume, the hard drive for it as as you need. Um, even if you're just doing CPU workloads, uh, which actually it's funny because we didn't start this tool as an AI tool. We started this as a as a dev environment tool for ourselves from experiences from our last startup. And one of our power users asked us to support GPUs, and that just kind of like pulled us in. <laughs> and it I was, was like the like AI. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, it just feels like AI as a space kind of chose us rather than the other way around. Once we once we were just listening to user feedback. Yeah, I was going to ask you if that if, if you're you probably deal with all sorts of different companies and programmers and and stuff. It doesn't have to be AI. It just happens to be that's the one that has the highest need right now, right? Yeah, and so it's funny. Uh, you know, we started building Brev like in like uh, late 2020, and. Uh, our initial goal in building Brev was we, you know, my, our last startup, me and my co-founder had a lot of hardware. We had a physical fleet. And as we would onboard more cars into the fleet, all of the software would go, would like, would break down. 
our advertisements were running slower. The dashboard, the portal for our ad, like the administrative portal would, would, was a lot slower. Logging in would take some 30 seconds, things like that. And mm-hmm. it felt like those things shouldn't be coupled. So um, when we were starting Brev, our, the immediate, the desire was how do we solve our problems from our last startup? So we wanted to build a tool that really just solved dev environments in a way that's not, uh, that's not within a walled garden. That's not forcing you to make decisions into the, into your application. It's just kind of behind the scenes, but you can go under the hood if you need to, but from a click of a button, you can just get something that works. And we were floundering a little bit with go to market. We didn't really know how to reliably get in front of users. There wasn't really strong terminology because people weren't necessarily looking for that tool, but Mm. we would still find users occasionally. Our users were growing. We just didn't know how to talk, like how to get more of them. And so in these user interviews, um, we, you know, we, uh, we found yeah that one user who asked us to support GPUs, we did. And then we found that, oh, you know, getting a GPU in the cloud and setting it up for whatever model you want to run or fine tune is actually really difficult. And so then we started making templates for these. So if you go to our website, there's a bunch of guides. You mm-hmm. click a, you, you know, you click a, a template and it just runs. Uh, and that's been essentially all of our go-to-market. We don't really, we haven't run ads. It's just kind of us making templates that make it really easy to run models and then word of mouth. Wow. That's, that's impressive when you can, you can build a company with, by, on word of mouth alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not easy to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot more for us right now on just how many how many templates can we make, right? Like mm-hmm. I think our goal is just if we can continue to make a delightful product, if we can continue to uh, make something that people need and more templates as more models come out, just making sure that there's a template so you can quickly run it and run it on your own GPU so you can do whatever it is that you want with it or fine tune it however you like, um, you know, that's the goal. How do you ensure low latency access for GPUs <laughs> for users? Yeah, so um, when you're... The goal is that there's a one-click button and it just kind of works, but uh, all of the settings are there for you. So you can look and see the region that's available. You can look and see the like the AZ or the different cloud that you want. So you can deploy it in a specific cloud if you'd like to do that. Um, you can deploy it in a region that's close to you. Uh, also, you know, if the, the end-to-end experience is that from your terminal, you run Brev open. And what we do behind the scenes is get you the instance, make sure everything's set up for you, and connect your local VS code or terminal wrapping SSH so you don't have to even think about the SSH part um, to that remote machine. And so VS code works really well on caching a lot of the, uh, these files locally. So okay. it's not really sitting on your local file system, but uh, it is cached pretty heavily. So um, there isn't much of a latency issue that you'll notice unless you're... Uh, on really slow bandwidth and you're typing really fast in your terminal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose that would be. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to ask you how you first became interested in AI, but it kind of sounded like, like from what you said before, AI chose you. Were you? Did you have an interest in AI before before Brev came about? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, AI was always very interesting, obviously intimidating for its right for all those same reasons. But I think that what gives us a unique perspective here is that... Um, we're not AI developers. We are DevOps engineers. Mm. We're like MLOps engineers. And so we're focusing on, you know, if you look at a company that has significant MLOps infra, uh, uh, like infrastructure, they're going to have a really easy way for a team to essentially give you some piece of compute with some sort of interface on it so that it's uh, a reliable way to, to act as a GPU, those types of issues. And so AI developers um, often don't uh, aren't focusing on the DevOps experience. And so it's kind of a really nice segment that, um, if you look at a lot of like MLOps tool chains right now, the, you know, the CI pipeline between it is pretty difficult. How do you go from like a notebook to something that you can fine tune to then deploying it? That's pretty difficult. You see a, a pretty common use case of someone has something running in a Google Colab notebook 
And then once they're satisfied with it, it's like, cool, now what, right? How do you take that and get a deployed instance? How do you take that and run it on more custom hardware? And so that's the, you know, I think when, if Brev done right, makes it really simple for you to take a Google Colab notebook from a research paper for a new model that's been presented, uh, run it on your own hardware, which we can, which we do now. And then we're working with partners like, you know, Replicate or uh, Banana, where we have guides that show you how to deploy really quickly on their infrastructure. Um, so you can really go from like notebook all the way to production and back and fine tune and, you know, play around, delete the environment if you get something you don't like. And um, yeah. So what's your background? Where did you go? Where, where did you, yeah. where'd you come from? <laughs> <laughs> um, I studied computer engineering. So it's electrical engineering and computer science. Okay. Uh, I, I went to UC Santa Barbara. My co-founder went to USC, uh, Alec Fong. He studied computer science and, and economics. And um, we both just, you know, we're family friends. And so we just hit it off uh, building uh, building things together. And so um, I didn't know that I wanted to go into startups. I didn't know what Y Combinator was. I didn't, you know, I was completely clueless. I actually wanted to be a PhD uh, researcher. So uh, my senior year of college, I, was, I had applied to PhD programs. And then Workday uh, came and recruited me on campus. And they flew me to San Francisco, which was much better experience than how my professor treated me in the lab. And so um, <laughs> I ended up uh, taking the job and I was working on building cloud dev environments at Workday. So they have an internal dev tool. So kind of came full circle. But uh, I worked at Workday for two years, really enjoyed that, got to see a lot about which optimizations made a lot of sense. What really, you know, you know, for example, seeing Autostop actually save some like 30, 40 percent on cloud bills just because people, for, you know, go to dinner and forget to leave their instances up. Uh, and then while I was at Workday, I was getting a beer with a bar owner and he mentioned that he uh, had like. Uh, a bunch of clicks on his Google ads, but nobody was in the business asking me to like, make it make sense. And we realized he has a really good point. Um, you know, digital ads work really well for digital businesses, but because if you like click on an Instagram ad, you've entered the storefront, but there was nothing like that for physical businesses. So um, we found a way to backdoor the Uber app so that if you tapped on our screen, we put tablets and Ubers and Lyfts. And if you tapped on our screen, we would reroute your Uber. And so you're going out with friends for drinks. You'd see buy one, get one free margaritas. You tap the screen. We take you there. The bar owner knows his ad worked. The driver got a tip and you got a free drink. Everyone wins. And so that was how we kind of got into startups. Me and my co-founder, um, we had been building other random side projects, but then this took off. We got to a quarter mil revenue. We got it to YC. And uh, ultimately the pandemic decided that that wasn't the time for that business. <laughs> yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. But as we, you know, that was how we got into startups. Um, and... Uh, Seeing all of the problems that happen when you're trying to take code and bring it into production, uh, paired with experience of building cloud dev environments and seeing how a really big company has solved this problem uh, is gave us the motivation to start Brev. That's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. I like your idea about the, the specials at the bar. I mean, I don't know. I'm not really in that market anymore now that I have a, a toddler, but back in the day, I would have loved that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny. We... Uh, we had like some 90 something reroutes in like our last month of running that. Um, so it was interesting because um, I think the funniest part about that business is whenever we would say, hey, we could reroute your Ubers, everyone's like, who the hell would want to do that? And it's yeah. like, well, turn out some people. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally would have done that. <laughs> yeah. Can, can you share your overall vision for Brev and how, how it fits into the broader AI ecosystem? Yeah. Um, I think the ultimate vision for us is that uh, we can separate creative development from monotonous machine problems. So anytime that you feel like you're doing something that's almost just like a, like a lame rite of passage just to get something running, those problems should be lifted away, but not in a way that's super limiting, right? We don't want to build a walled garden. We actually tried that. 
the first version of Rev, the one that we came up with in 2020, was um, you know at the at the time Replit didn't have databases, so uh, it really was just like an online IDE. Uh, and so we built a web app that let you code. Essentially, we said if if you don't want dev environment issues, we can solve them all for you if we force our dev environment on you. If we force our stack, you won't have decisions to make, so you won't be able to get yourself into gotchas. And so we took our, you know, from, from the Uber advertising business, we took uh, Python, Fast API, the NoSQL database we used, and we just forced that onto you in a web app. And so um, this is obviously a bad product now that we <laughs> think about forcing a bunch of people to code Python if they didn't want to. But um, what we learned was that by uh, a good abstraction works really well if it pairs well with the problem you're solving. But if you're good at solving problems, you're going to be solving new ones and you'll want a flexible abstraction that can that can change. And so a good example of that is this, you know, our old product lets you spin up a production uh, backend in like less than five minutes. And you could use that to go and, uh, you know, talk to users and get your first, you know, let's say 100,000 users. But then you might want to optimize um, that instance. Once you have a lot of users in your database, you say, hey, I want, I want to optimize this database instead of the NoSQL one that we use out of the box. And we just didn't support that. Mm-hmm. And so really quickly, uh, what was really useful is now the biggest thing limiting you. And so we actually, it's funny, we RMRF the repo. We said like without a sunk cost fallacy, having had the hundreds of convos that we've had uh, with users, what would we build now knowing what we know? And it was a really great way to enter the space, kind of um, having to do everything, right? If you're, if you're building out the IDE experience, you're building out the IDE, the tooling, the staging, the testing, the production, and it let us get a really good glimpse into what the full CI/CD pipeline is and what the full um, scope of like dev tooling could be and made us pick like, okay, what could be the most impactful thing for us? And that's when we said, let's take a step back. We want to build an experience that's as, as, as simple as coding locally where you just go in your terminal and run Brev open and everything else just kind of happens. And I don't have to worry about it if I don't want to, but um, yeah, our goal I think is broader than just AI. The goal is that any you know if it's funny if you think about um, you know my fiance is in medical school. Uh, my younger sister is a PhD doing biomedical engineering. My brother is a doctor. Lots, a lot of bio people in my circle. <laughs> and what's funny, even uh, my best friend from college, his wife is a uh, therapist, and she's coding too. Everyone's learning how to code. So there is a desire for people to learn how to code in this day and age. They have to, right? They have data sets. They want to find insights from it. They're going to do that. Mm-hmm. The part that, so what's interesting to me is complete non-coders. They would never consider themselves coders, but they are writing code today. Um, so people have a capacity and a desire to learn how to code, but it's the stuff around it that becomes scary, right? It was setting up the Python environment that all of them came to me for help. <laughs> and uh, if we get rid of the environment issues, if you make it so it's really easy for someone to, to start developing on something, um, you dramatically reduce the barriers so that more people learn how to code because it's interesting what they're choosing to, to, to learn development for. And um, I think that applies across the spectrum within AI. Um, yeah. Is that kind of the idea behind the templates is to make it super easy for anybody to jump in and start working? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and not to do it in such a way that it's limiting. Like, the, for example, you know, we, we've had users who tweeted about... Um, they, they started on a Google Colab notebook and they, they, they don't know what to do next, right? Mm. So giving someone not just a template so that they can get the, the first thing running, but then what do I do from here? And pay, kind of paving the road to go from there to a production deployment, which we have a guide for. Um, also, you can expose a port on your Brev machine so that you, we can give you a URL. So like, let's say you have a server running that's done doing like image generation. 
um, like a stable, we have a stable diffusion API uh, template. So if you, if you make that, you can expose a port, we'll give you a URL for it. And for all sakes and purposes, that, that could be your production deployment if you don't want to send too many users to it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, making templates to reduce the barrier to make it really easy, but then also uh, focusing on letting someone optimize the instance how they want. Uh, you, can, you can go through and pick any sort of configuration options. There's a, you know, you can pick the region, the, uh, you can scale the instance. Can, can, uh, you're the super user of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, Rev is just a tool to make it um, simpler and cheaper. Your website's pretty minimalist. Your logo, it looks kind of like the hang loose hand symbol. Yeah. The, so um, The only customer service on your page is a phone number where people can text you directly. <laughs> yeah. Kind of so, feels like um, you guys, like you kind of have like this chill sort of like, hey, let's just get to the point here. Let's not fluff up the website and do all this other stuff. Is that kind of by design? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the logo is a reflection of the team. We just... You know, we're, we're some gritty, scrappy folks that just want to get it done. And so, uh, absolutely. And all, you know, I think the, the reason why we, I feel very lucky, right? We're, we're lucky to be at the perfect time at the perfect place. I think the harder you work, the luckier you get. And in, uh, in many ways, luck falls on your lap and it's up to you to up, like to, to capitalize on it when it does. And so we found out about GPUs and the AI space and we've, we've leaned in since we've mm-hmm. discovered those users back in like last July. And, uh, you know, that all happened because we have an ear to our users. And so there's nothing more important than to, uh, to us than getting feedback straight from the user. So I do want users to text me directly. Like if something doesn't work, I want to know immediately so we can go fix it. And we will. Um, we'll, you know, we're, we're a small team, but we're potent and passionate and um, iterating really quickly. And on the logo, uh, my co-founder and I are both from SoCal and we're both really into surfing, as you can probably hear. Nice. All right. Logo. All right. Um, so yeah, I like that. Uh, I like that you. I like that you took a passion and put it. You know, made it part of your business. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so uh, yeah, uh, our, our team tries to be as responsive as possible. There's more than just one avenue to, to message us. You can you can text me. You can join the Discord. Shoot us an email. Um, add us on Twitter or DM us on Twitter. And um, whatever works for you works for us. <laughs> so, what advice do you have for aspiring AI developers? who might be looking to transition into the field? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a super exciting time right now. There's so much happening. So um, I think my, the biggest advice is uh, if if you're chasing a gold rush, uh, motivation is like, I mean, there's the, the thing about starting something is that the highs are high and the lows are low. And so if you're looking, if you're, if you're chasing the gold rush, that might be tough. I think focus on what is something that you really like. And then focus on solving that problem. And AI is probably something that's going to help you do that better um, rather than kind of doing it from the inverse, which is wanting to do AI first and then searching for something that you want to apply it to. Ah, um, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. AI ethics, very hot topic uh, today, obviously. What, what kind of responsibilities do AI companies, founders, developers have to make sure that this freight train doesn't fly off the rails? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, I might have a, a less, uh, maybe more controversial take here. I don't think AI is going to kill us. Um, I actually think that, you know, our inability to communicate with each other is probably going to kill us faster than AI could. That's um, a good I, point. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, at, at the end of the day, like, you know, you don't build software, you build software with people. You don't buy software, you buy software from people. And so um, all the tools that we build are going to, uh, you know, ultimately everything comes down to connection and relationships. And um, I think making sure to... Uh, to focus on those a lot uh, is, you know, really important. Um, 
when it comes to, you bring up a really interesting point about uh, what responsibility do we have to, to make sure that AI is, is handled in a safe way. And I think our goal is to, by reducing the barrier as much as possible, you allow for more of, uh, you allow for more ideas to enter the space. And I think that's really important because ultimately the best ideas will win. Can, can, are you able to discuss uh, any of the innovative or exciting projects that have been developed on the platform? Yeah, uh, there's been there's been a bunch of really cool things. Uh, I think probably one of my the most exciting I can see right now. Uh, so one, there's been a lot of indie developers who have made hundreds of thousands of dollars by building things like the face. Uh, you probably saw a lot of people on Instagram posting pictures of their uh, AI avatars, things like that. Oh yeah, so totally. We've definitely had a. Yeah, so we've had a handful of just indie developers making a lot of money by building out apps like these, and they're using uh, Brev to get to, to fine tune their model, whether they want to make it look, you know, very anime looking or cartoon looking or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so those have always been really fun because it's nice to see kind of some of our users making a lot of money pretty pretty easily. Um, uh, Mirage ML is a really exciting company. Uh, I don't know if you've seen them, but uh, they they they're also they were using us and they're focused on generating. Uh, 3D models, um, which has been really exciting to see. Um, yeah, so it's interesting talking to users and seeing what what types of things can get generated. I think probably my my uh, one of another favorite uh, application has been uh, biotech, kind of the biotech ML space. We're for some reason finding a decent amount of users there, and. It sounds like the way that they're using us is for things like generating new medicines. I, I don't know exactly. I mean, we don't know what's going on inside the machines for the for these developers. Sure. So I can only kind of see it at a certain level. But um, you know, accelerating our ability to to come up with new cures and uh, from the biological space seems really exciting. Yeah, that's incredible. That's got to feel great. Yeah, helping people well, do that. Uh, yeah, I'm, you know, excited to follow up with what they're building. Yeah, and uh, maybe they can make sure I live to like 150. <laughs> oh, I don't be careful what you wish for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm pretty new to AI. We talked a little bit about this before we hit record. I, I, I'm, I've always been interested in computers and tech, but more on the you know marketing creative side. When I talk to people about this podcast that I'm doing, there's no shortage of opinions on the subject of AI. Most people are pretty scared of it. Should should they be? Um, I don't think so. I mean, is AI going to be disruptive? Absolutely. But it's, you know, uh, what something I'm thinking a lot about too is how, you know, this is going to change the way that society works a lot, right? Absolutely. A lot of work is going to get automated. And um, wh- how do we navigate that? Is it going to be, it's going to be a big question, right? If I was 17 right now, I don't know if I would know what to major in in college. So, <laughs> That's a good point. Um, <laughs> you'd be like, you'd, you'd um, be going to think, like a trade school. You'd become a plumber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, exactly. I think if you're like three years old and if you're like 50 years old, you're probably safe, but everything in between is like no man's land. Right. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, how to navigate this, I don't know, but ultimately, you know, our goal is that society, like we, we are freed as a society from having to do a lot of the, the busy work so we can focus on solving other larger problems. We can focus on, I don't know, navigating the stars and, uh, I think there's there's way more exciting problems for society to solve if we can get through this. And um, interesting idea too that if if AI can automate a lot of GDP growth, then we can have a more prosperous society. We can go, we can build post scarcity, which um, is worth <laughs> definitely the, the short term disruption. But how we handle this right now. Um, 
kind of scares me because uh, our society doesn't seem to like discourse too much. Yeah, well, there's that. There's definitely that, and, or change for that matter. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. are there any emerging emerging AI trends or technologies that that you believe will have like a super big impact on the industry, other than the stuff that we see in the news, like ChatGPT or Midjourney? Yeah, I mean, if if you think about, if you remember what happened, like was it last July when like Dolly was kind of starting to gain popularity. Um, it wasn't that impressive. Like it couldn't really generate faces and that was by design. They, they were like being very cautious about what they would let it do. And it was really Stability AI releasing Stable Diffusion that forced competition into the market because then Stable Diffusion was like, hey, we'll generate faces. And so then Dolly had to generate faces. And so then it was a race to who can generate better faces and Midjourney coming out with phenomenal uh, model, right? Um, I, I don't think that's happened for chat yet. So right now, all the excitement we hear about chat is all coming from OpenAI, which is, you know, they're building phenomenal products. GPT-4 is, is incredible. It is. It's chat really, GPT really well. great. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping my eyes open for uh, open source chat, like GPT models, right? Open source chat, uh, chat GPT, um, seeing how that kind of accelerates um, or what that accelerates the same way that... Um, uh, what we saw with, with Stable Diffusion being open sourced. And it was through Stable Diffusion being open sourced that people were able to popularize these uh, AI avatars and, you know, other image generation, uh, you know, generating 3D models, generating assets for video games, things like that all happened because of these open source models. So with the open source chat models that are coming out with Llama that, that uh, was recently leaked, um, you know, I'm excited to see where, where, what that comes uh, or what that produces. Isn't that kind of one of the things people are scared of, though? Is that being open source because of the misinformation that it could it could help perpetuate? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely, I think with any technology, right, there's the massive benefits it brings and also, uh, you know, the ways that it can go wrong. With technology, we get, you know, all the benefits of the technology we have, but also, it, you know, uh, my, you know, my parents are getting hit with scammers uh, from SMS, right? But that yep. doesn't make SMS the problem. Right, that's it's, true. You know, that's just, yeah. And, you know, any any technology, it's kind of, we build some sort of security, someone figures out how to hack it, and then it's a bit of a, a, not, a never-ending game. And yeah. so uh, we'll find a way to, uh, you know, to, to protect ourselves against misinformation. But ultimately what this unlocks is, I think, uh, a massive potential, a, a huge economic potential as well. I think we're going to see a lot of small teams rather than really like bloated large companies, which is going to be interesting. You can, you know, every individual with AI has a much larger lever that they can push from. Uh, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, you're already seeing some of that about people, you know, places, not just in the layoffs, but just in like trimming down their tech teams and their, their product teams and development teams and all that stuff, even marketing teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting seeing uh, you know see, seeing how that happens, and like I'm wondering how much of that is coming from AI versus just people kind of following what they think they need to be doing in the down market. But it is going to be interesting, I think, now with a, a very talented workforce that is getting laid off at the same time as a lot of these AI tools. You know, it might not be that they go back and search for another job; it might be that they start pretty significant businesses with a really small team. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. It just kind of the the word since the pandemic pivot, so they'll just pivot into into something more be entrepreneurial. Yeah, exactly. And I I think that's the you know there, there's more fulfillment in in uh, having a small business that you really care about and that you're able to push being more entrepreneurial. And uh, you know these AI tools make it a lot easier for you to do that. I know someone who set up 
Zapier to ChatGPT to set up an automatic sales engine. So mm-hmm. he's a one-man team who spent most of his day writing code. The sales is kind of on autopilot and he's generating a lot of revenue for himself. And it's just a one-man team, you know, doing having the footprint of what seems to be like some 10, 15 people teams that I've seen. I will tell you, I have my own business doing content and marketing and things like that. And I, it's, it's a humongous tool for me. It saves me so much time. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I think, uh, uh, it became really profitable for, uh, companies to, you know, colleges kind of pivoted to churning out knowledge workers as it became really profitable to do so. Mm-hmm. And as companies were really growing and it, be- it really became that, uh, products needed a lot of differentiation. So you had, you know, uh, you, you needed more engineering talent, more sales and marketing talent, and uh, I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of questions about uh, how big, you know, the, the impact that like really, really large companies have on society, whether they can buy politics, they can, um, uh, you know, they, they have an outsized say compared to like an individual. And I think that the way that society, like that we really solve that problem in the society is enable individuals to move faster than corporations. And I think AI tools, that's part of our motivation in building Brev is by getting rid of a lot of the DevOps uh, frustration that big companies have dedicated DevOps teams for, you can enable individuals to move a lot faster. And I think AI tools do this, do that as well. So um, yeah, really exciting time for entrepreneurship right now. No doubt. No doubt. I saw on your uh, website that you have some open positions. What what are the traits that you really want to see from people that make you that would make you want to bring them on? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're absolutely hiring. I think the biggest thing right now is we're uh, engineering bandwidth seems to hold us back. So we're, we're trying to bring on uh, two more engineers like immediately. Uh, the biggest thing is, we're, look, we're a really small, scrappy team. And so everyone's thinking very creatively um, and, every, and no one's really shying away from the problem. So uh, you know, when you join a startup, sometimes it might feel like a dumpster fire and that's because, you know, it kind of is right. So, um, there's, there's the effort to just kind of maintaining, uh, and like, you know, just, just focusing on support. There's also all the features cause we're navigating really quickly. And so someone who's not afraid to kind of hop into any part of the stack, um, you know, there's, we jokingly call our back end the front end because it's the front to all the infrastructure that we have. And so, um, you know, there's going to be infrastructure problems that come up, back end problems that come up. We're going to, you know, you might just end up hopping on a call with a user and like trying to see what they're, what they're going through and uh, surfacing that user feedback. And so it's a really exciting time to be a bit all hands on deck. We're a small team of five right now. And so, uh, yeah, I think mostly that's it. It's just the, the um, kind of being comfortable with the chaos and uh, being able to tap into any part of the stack as needed. Nice. Well, the website is brev.dev. You can read through documentation and guides. You can sign up. You can even get Natter's number and text him. Well, Natter, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. It was great to meet you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks everyone out there for listening or watching. Until next time, stay curious and stay creative.